Hello, everybody. Uh, I believe this will be my last message before Christmas, so I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. I want you to listen to this whole message because I think it's really, really important. Sorry, I just bumped, bumped the table. Um, Christmas is such a special time, and it's such a good time to think about God and his love and and how much that's impacted us. If I could sum up Christian and Christmas in one word, it would be love. Uh, we all know the famous scripture in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It uh, got for, And then the next verse said that God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. I think that verse is just as important as the verse before it. And you know, sometimes we can forget about the very basic foundation, this very basic foundation of Christianity, God's deep, 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 abounding, abiding love for the sinner, for the liars, the murderers, the cheats, the adulterers, the traitors, the thieves, the swindlers, um, the abusers of power, the people who cheat on their taxes, the gossips and the backstabbers and all other kinds of people who do evil and sin, including the worst of all, the self-righteous people. God sent his son, Jesus, to die and purchase salvation for every single one of them. Isn't that just the most awesome thing? And in Ephesians 5, it says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God, so as Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn it, but gave himself up in love, so we shouldn't condemn the world, but we should give ourselves up in love. And if we do that, we'll be a fragrant offering to God. And wouldn't that be a great Christmas present for the Lord? A great Christmas present that he could breathe in and just breathe in the fragrance of our love on this earth. <clears throat> so I'm going to talk about... um the love of Jesus shown in the New Testament for people who are not worthy of his love. And the first one is called the woman caught in adultery. And something I think is really interesting about this story and about this title that this woman has is that there, the man is never mentioned in this story. It's not, you know, we don't talk about the man and woman caught in adultery. It's always the woman caught in adultery. It's in John 8 verse 3. It says, the teacher of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. And what do you say? And they were using this question as a trap in order uh, to have a basis of accusing him. But Jesus went down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. 
Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. See, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, the most religious people, they were the most into the laws and the regulations. They weren't into love. They were wanting to exact justice and have her stoned to death. And Jesus wanted her reconciled to God. He wanted her to change her life, and he wanted to uh, uh, extend to her forgiveness. Isn't that awesome? And that's what God wants us to do as imitators of Jesus Christ, not to condemn the world, uh, not to condemn sinners, not to say, this is what the law says, and you need to be stoned to death. He wants us to say, I don't condemn you either. Another person that Jesus showed love to who was not worthy was a man named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector, and he was not a popular person. Uh, He was a tax collector who was a Jewish man, but he was working for the Roman Empire, and the Jews did not like him. He would be considered now uh, as kind of like a mob character or part of the mafia. He abused Jewish people. He took advantage of them for his own personal gain. Gain. He used uh, 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 tactics probably that were not very ethical. Um, Jewish people did not like tax collectors. They weren't like the IRS today. They were. They were not. They were the kind of people that might. Um, uh, bomb your house or break your legs or do very bad things. So uh, tax collectors like Zacchaeus was not a very good person at all. He was corrupt and evil. So in this story, Jesus was going to Jericho and Zacchaeus heard about it and he ran ahead of the crowd because he wanted to see Jesus. And because he was short and he knew a crowd was coming, he climbed up in a tree because he thought maybe he could see him from above and get the best view. So in Luke 19, it says, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest at your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He is gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. (laughs) Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. See, the crowd would have liked for Zacchaeus to be penalized, to be imprisoned, to suffer for his offenses. But Jesus wanted to reconcile him. Jesus wanted to bring him into the fold. Jesus wanted to love on him. The crowd was shocked that Jesus... um, someone who is religious, 
would associate themselves with someone who would cheat and steal from their people, who was a crook. They would expect Jesus to, man, to de demand justice for the Jewish people. But Jesus said he came to seek and save the lost. So let's be like Jesus. Let's not always be demanding our rights and our privileges and, and justice. Let's come to seek and save the lost and show love and forgiveness and mercy like Jesus did. Another instance where Jesus um, showed love uh, for those who were not worthy were, uh, was in, in the instance of the people of Samaria. In Luke 9, it tells the story of Jesus preparing to go to Jerusalem. And at that point, he was going to Jerusalem to be crucified. So it was a very solemn time. He was preparing for the last days of his life. And he had to go through a village in Samaria. But the people in that village <clears throat> did not want to receive Jesus. And in Luke 9, 54, it says, And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, just as Elijah did? Whoa. <laughs> so the disciples got offended. They got upset that um, the people of Samaria, this village in Samaria, didn't want except Jesus. So they were ready to call down fire. They were wanting to do something that they saw in the Old Testament. And over and over again, we see that Jesus said a new commandment. You know, it was said, now this is the way we're going to do it now. And the disciples hadn't learned that yet. And we see in verse 55, it says, but he, Jesus, turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. <clears throat> so the disciples wanted to call down fire on people who would not receive Jesus. But Jesus told the disciples that they were the ones that had the spiritual problem. Whoa, <laughs> that was a tough pill, I'm sure, for the disciples to swallow. But Jesus came to save people like those people in the village of Samaria. So we need to have a heart for all people, people that want to reject Jesus, people that are sinners. Our hearts just need to pour out in love for them, just like Jesus' heart poured out in love for them. Another instance of Jesus showing love to those who are not worthy were the soldiers that came to get Jesus when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, they were coming to get him to arrest him, and he was going to be put on trial, and eventually he was going to be crucified. In Luke 22, verse 49, it says, When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. Whoa. <laughs> but Jesus answered, No more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed them. You know, as human beings, we're inclined a lot of times to try to solve problems with the first thing that comes to our mind, you know, natural ways, you know, with violence or anger or rage or logical solutions. But Jesus has a different way. You know, the disciples in this instance thought that rebellion and violence was the answer but Jesus was giving his life 
He was trying to give his life to, to bring life and healing. He wasn't trying to end life. Another example of Jesus giving uh, love for those who are not worthy was uh, found in Mark 15 with the whole crowd of people saying, crucify him, crucify him. And this whole crowd of people was doing that. And uh, at the same time, Jesus was willing to give his life for that kind of people. It says in Mark 15, verse 3, Then the leading priest kept accusing him of many crimes. And you'll see in a lot of these instances that it was religious people, people that were religious leaders, people that should know better, uh, that were the problem. They were stirring up people <laughs> against Jesus. It says, then the leading priest kept accusing him of many crimes. And Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer them? What about all these charges they are bringing against you? But Jesus said nothing, much to Pilate's surprise. Now it was the governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration to release one prisoner, anyone the people requested. One of the prisoners at that time was Barabbas a revolutionary who had committed murder in an uprising. The crowd went to Pilate and asked him to release a prisoner as usual. Would you like me to release this king of the Jews, Pilate asked, for he realized by now that the leading priest had arrested Jesus out of envy. But at this point, the leading priest stirred up the crowd to demand the release of Barabbas instead of Jesus. Pilate asked them, then what should I do? What should I do with this man you call the king of the Jews? They shouted back, crucify him. Why, Pilate demanded, what crime has he committed? But, but the mob roared back even louder, crucify him. Religious people can lie bring accusations, stir people up into a frenzy, call for someone's head on a chopping block, and can be very successful at killing an innocent man and his reputation. Jesus, in love, did not even say a word, but laid down his life for those same very people that stirred up the crowd, that called for his crucifixion, Jesus loved those people that were not worthy of his love. And that is quite an awesome statement, isn't it? And we need to imitate him. <clears throat> when we see injustice in our world and injustice against us, we need not be saying, crucify him, crucify him, crucify her, crucify her. We need to a lot of times keep our mouths silent and we need to walk in love, and we need to pray that they would repent. Another instance of Jesus loving those that are not worthy is when Jesus was on the cross. In Luke 2, uh, 23, it says two men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they were they, there they crucified him, 
along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. I think that all of us who are alive can say that we have never been in that position. We've never been in the position where we have been killed. We've been crucified innocently. So Jesus is not asking us for more than what he has done. If Jesus could do this and we, we are called to be imitators of him, we can forgive those people who are not worthy of our forgiveness. We can forgive them. And I just pray that, that we learn to treat people the way that Jesus did. In Matthew 5, 43, it says, You have heard the law that says, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are, but you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. So we have a choice. We can be like the religious leaders of Jesus' day. We can say, stone her, or don't have anything to do with him, or crucify him, or make them pay for their crimes, or they deserve everything they get. Or we can imitate Jesus, and we can love the world and not condemn it. Of course, you know, the question would come up, well, does that mean that, you know, nobody has to pay for their crimes and murderers can get away with everything? Of course not. It doesn't mean that people don't have to abide by the law or, police, you know, police officers still arrest people and that are charged with a crime or a judge, judge still has to run his courtroom according to the law. But this has to do with the attitudes of our heart has to do with our actions. It has to do so much with our mouths and, and what we say with our mouths and, and the way that we present ourselves to the world as Christians. Are we vessels and, and containers of love and compassion? Are we just hate mongers? Are we saying stoner and crucify him? And, you know, are we judgmental and angry? And are we like the Pharisees and, and these people that are are always, you know, exacting justice and talking about the laws and the regulations and the rules. Are we like Jesus, Jesus extending love and forgiveness to people? So um, I talked about loving those that are not worthy. And, and, and I want to end by talking about loving uh, our love for other Christians. <clears throat> In John, First uh, John 4, 7, it says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. So he's talking about love among the body of Christ, love for Christians. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. 
God showed how much he loves us or he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, surely we ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. That is so awesome. You know, there's a scripture that says they'll know we're Christians by our love. And I am so sad to say that so many times we've fallen short. There's so many people that have just left churches because they've seen uh, gossips and backbiting and, and people that don't treat their brothers and sisters in Christ in love. They lie about each other. They, they talk about the pastor behind his back. There's just all kinds of icky stuff. But if Christians walked in love, there'd be so many more people, uh, one to the Lord. It'd just be, it'd just be a landslide, I believe. So I'm going to just, uh, kind of close this with, uh, an explanation of what love is. It's in 1 Corinthians 13. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified Bible. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy. It is not boastful nor vainglorious. It does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited arrogant and inflated with pride. It is not rude or unmannerly and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice or and unrighteousness, but it rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes, is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails, never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. So this Christmas season, I just encourage you to be full of Christmas love and give God the best gift you could ever give him. Be an imitator of Jesus Christ and let that fragrant gift of the love of God just rise up from on the inside of you up to the Lord and let him just smell that fragrant gift this Christmas, that gift of love, that, that, that love just flowing out of you to other people in this world. We just, you know, Pastor Terry and I just both want you to have the best Christmas ever. And we want you most of all to experience the love of Jesus Christ in your life. Bye-bye.